Here's another one from the archives. Again, we'll have new podcasts coming in November. This one is with the head coach at Toledo, Jason Candle. Jason's done an excellent job at Toledo. He's part of a very strong coaching tree, and we talked about the influences and some of the things that he's done at Toledo. Take a listen. I am joined today by the head football coach at the University of Toledo, Jason Candle. Coach Candle, it's an honor to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Coach, we're going to start with your journey as a coach. And being that you're a Mount Union guy, and I've had several of those guys on, I feel like I could almost pre-record this part and we hit play and listen to it. Because you guys have a similar journey in some ways. And it's good to see that there is a way that this can happen for coaches. And, And for you, going back to your playing days, I believe you went to Geneva first and then transferred to Mount Union, finished your playing career there. And then you became, I don't know if you guys call it an intern, a GA, a student assistant, but you did that for a year before becoming a head coach. So talk to us a little bit about that transition, moving from being someone who's playing for Coach Karras to to someone who's working alongside him. Well, I think there's, number one, it's a, we're all very grateful for opportunity in our start. You know, when I say a start in coaching, because I think that started back when we were players there. And I think one of the the biggest compliments you can get paid as a coach is when somebody kind of imitates and wants to be what you've become as a man and certainly as a professional. And I think there's a lot of characteristics of, of Larry Karras that I would I emulate it as, you know, through my time as a player and certainly as a coach there. And I'm a guy I certainly looked up to and I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And I think whether that's a, there's meeting rooms all over the country and offices all over the country that people would agree with me and probably say the same thing. So I'm one of the one of the many and uh, certainly fortunate and, and feel very grateful for my opportunity, my start there as a player, not only doing that as an, as a coach and yeah, you become, you make a transition from be, being a player to a coach. And that's a, that's a tough transition because you, you're not only going to see the game from a different perspective you're going behind some of those closed door meetings that you always wondered what were, what, what was going on in there when you were a player. I think that's really difficult to do at a place that you played at because there are, when you're a player, there are, and you're a good player, there's some there's some things that you, you know, you're very accustomed to, there's some things you're used to, and some things that you naturally become, I don't want to say entitled to, but you, you feel like you're, you're deserved, that you've earned, and when you become a, a new coach or a student coach or an intern or a GA, you, you kind of, I don't want to say you take a step back farther behind some of those players, but sometimes that is the case, you, you have to start fresh and Sometimes it's hard to to let go of some of that entitlement a little bit. And also you have to be able to separate yourself from some of your friends on the team because there are some confidential meetings and there are some things that are said about players and discussions and that you, you, you can't, you can't be the, you can't be the connector between the team and the coaches uh, on some things. And then other things you're required to be the connector between the team and the coaches. So it's a difficult role. Uh, I think it's a very difficult role at a place you played at and, but if done correctly, I think you can certainly reap the benefits of it. And that seems to be a winning formula for Coach Karras. And you look at his coaching tree of guys who have played for him and then going on all different levels of guys having success, whether it's the high school level, college level, Division One, Two, Three, guys that have come through. You have to call it a system right now, the, the way that he develops those guys from player to coach and and for you you had the opportunity to continue there and hook on as a a full-time guy being in that one program and then stepping out of it what are some of those key things you see that you learned from coach Karras that are now carrying over to your current position yeah that's a great question 
I don't really, if we're speaking in general uh, thoughts and terms here, I, I I don't know if there's a day that goes by that there's not a some type of influence, whether I, it's it's intentional or unintentional, that that doesn't doesn't get incorporated into our football program every day. What those specific things are, how we think, how we act, how we approach things, sometimes they're not intentional. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that you learn from him. You you learn that number one, personal accountability and responsibility and how that, when you can handle yourself and lead yourself, you have a natural impact on the, the bigger picture. And that at Mount Union, there's a large roster of players every year, and somehow there's a way to, there's always been a different way to find out how 200 guys on a football team can buy into something bigger than themselves. And that's very difficult to do. We're in a society that continues to promote individuality and um, the team's not that important and you need to have your own personal brand and your own personal success and all of that and sometimes young people don't really have any interest in buying into that fact and I think at Mount Union one thing that seems to consistently amazes me because Vince has still been able to to carry this on is that it's not about you it's not about the individual it's always about the team and I think that's why they continue to have success but specific lessons and things I learned from Coach Karras I I think that list is it's a very long list I think go on for hours about it but like I said I probably the personal accountability and never you're never too busy for a player you you know you you make really good use of really good work days and those lead to pretty good weeks and which lead to good months and ultimately really good seasons so I think there's just there's a lot of things that 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 we've accumulated and and over the years that probably you learn from your own mistakes and you learn from your own failures and and even some of your successes but I think some of those things as you look back they all they all tie back to the some of the common foundational principles that coach put into us as young coaches and players coach looking at your resume also looking at the the resume of of coach Campbell and I don't want to put words in your mouth but I would say that He's had to be an influence on you as well because you, from a coaching path, you've followed in his footsteps. Be stepping up, becoming the offensive coordinator at Mount Union, coming into Toledo, eventually becoming the offensive coordinator there and, and then the head coach. What kind of an impact has, has he made on your career? Yeah, well, I mean, he's a great friend first and foremost, and he's a guy that you know was a college teammate of mine and was always very serious about what he wanted to get done in, in his career when it came to life after football and guys that have that mentality are usually very successful and he's he's ultimately proven that he has been very successful to this point in his career and there's there's no signs of slowing down so he's a great man he's a great family guy he's a guy that that loves his players that cares a lot about the staff and people around him and treats people the right way and guys and people that they care about people and are willing to invest in them they usually get paid back the right way and he's he certainly reaped the benefits of all of his actions and his investment that he's put into people and it's had a tremendous impact on my career like I said not only being a personal friend learning a lot of football from him and, and going through some some really good moments with him on the same staffs and, and really going through some really tough times with him on the same staffs and just a, a guy that I, I'm happy to call a friend and a guy that I know does it the right way, so therefore I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Coach, you guys have been at it, you know, almost like you said, almost a decade now there at Toledo. Firsthand, being able to experience some of that as a coach, you know, I was at Baldwin-Wallace and you guys would come to our campus. You would satellite camp there. I would always get to Toledo and go to some of your one days to look at prospects. And there's a lot of people doing what you guys did, but 
it's almost hard to explain. Like you could just feel that there was a difference, that there was something special going on there by the way that you just watch the coaches on that staff interact with each other. They truly enjoy working together. They're having a lot of fun. But at the same time, you could tell that the way they're impacting those kids out on the field in those one days, that they're pretty demanding and specific about their coaching too. How did that start for you guys and obviously become part of, of your culture as a staff? Well, and this goes back to Coach Karras as well. I, I don't know if if Matt, in discussions of coaches that, that he hired, he leaned a lot on me when he hired a lot of guys on our staff when he was the head coach here. And I know this is the case for myself is when I had to hire my own staff when most of those guys went to Ames with Matt um, when the transition happened. But, you're, you know, we're not going to hire people that aren't number one great teachers and guys that – can help develop and learn and help young people learn the game of football and ultimately learn lessons in life too. So I think it starts there. And I think it starts with when you're a great teacher that, you know, the, the passion that which you work with every day, that, that becomes, that surfaces. And then that ultimately leads to the, the commitment that these guys that, that we have in these, in these offices, they have to the young people that they're able to impact each and every day. So, when you're able to have that foundation, now you you can really you're going to be able to make it through some of those tough moments that this game provides. You're going to make it through those adverse times and and turn them into learning experiences. And but you're right about that. You you go watch us practice, and you have guys that are very passionate about what they do, and you know that's how they approach every day. And certainly that's going to transfer out onto the into the camp circuit as well. And I think that's the that's the case here, and it, it always has been, and I think that goes back to the that's another Mount Union deal of I don't think Coach is ever going to hire anybody that that wasn't that way. Coach, from the teaching perspective of it that you mentioned, sure you have some non-negotiables and things that you want to see happening in every single one of those meeting rooms. If uh, you were to walk into any meeting room, any position at, at Toledo, what is it that you expect to see happening in that room and the interactivity between your coaches and your players? Well, just that. I think it has to be a great learning environment. It has to be a an open dialogue to to why things are done and really understanding the the why of what we of the reasons why we do things and and how, if done correctly, what the results will look like. We're not we're not we're very rarely going to sit in, around and talk about the results and 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 get enamored by that and what could be. We're going to teach our guys the reasons why we're doing things and, and really get them to understand the bigger picture if they buy into the really specific skills to a particular scheme or a particular defense or offense or why this, the skills translate into what they are and, and ultimately then how those skills can be developed through their individual training because I, no matter what level of football you're in or at, if you have guys that are really passionate about what they do, which at the collegiate level, as a college coach, you, you have the ability to pick guys like that. That's part of our recruiting formula. You want guys that are passionate about football and what they do and, and the work that goes into it. So once that's established, now, well, don't make these guys go out there and just work to work. Like, let's give them a specific plan of how they can develop the skills necessary to be really good at what they're being asked to do on offense, defense, or special teams. And then from there, we got to be really good teachers and not only to teach the scheme or to teach the why of why we're doing things, but to also ultimately hold them accountable and help them stay connected to what you know the goal or the or the vision was. Coach, you've been regarded as one of the top recruiters in the country, and this is the time when you were an assistant. Then you had the opportunity or challenge, I guess, 
of putting together a recruiting class in a very short time frame while you're still putting together a coaching staff and pulled off a class that was very highly ranked in terms of Mid-American Conference. To you, what are some of those keys of recruiting and getting young men to, to want to play the game for you at the University of Toledo? Yeah, for me, it's it's really simple. It's 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 authenticity and being true to who you are. I mean, guys, when they come on visits here, are going to understand who I am as an individual. They're going to understand who our coaches are as individuals and people, and who our players are as individuals. And it's not easy here. It's it's tough here. It's it's demanding. We're going to stretch you farther than you've ever been stretched as a human being, as a student, and as a player. And guys understand that commitment and what that looks like this i tell guys all the time this is not like going to the 13th grade here this is higher education this is your dream of wanting to go play in the nfl these are big time commitments and large goals and when you have large goals and there is the commitment level has to be raised and certainly the the attention to detail must be raised too so we ask a lot of our players we ask a lot of our our guys and we certainly give them what a clear picture of what that looks like during the recruiting process and I think kids really appreciate that. I think they, if they know what they're getting themselves into, then, then they're more than well, willing to accept the challenge. We don't promise anybody anything. We don't paint a clear picture or paint a, or, or paint a cloudy picture that what, you know, what could be and uh, work off of a bunch of theories. Um, you know, we, we work off of testimony of what we've been able to accomplish. I and mean, here's why we've been able to accomplish that, whether that be in the classroom. You know, we just had a GPA in a fall of over a 3.0 during the football season, which is, 110 guys is really impressive work by our guys and then to be able to win a conference championship in the same semester I think that's a it speaks volumes because it, it, it stays true to who we are and that's wins off the field are ultimately going to lead to wins on the field so uh, guys get a clear picture in recruiting and then from there I think once they know that you're authentic and, and, and what you're true to who you say you are then a relationship has a really good solid base to be built upon from there and then guys don't question your commitment to them and you can coach them hard and you can you can challenge them when they need to be challenged. Coach, I kind of feel like right now with the game as it's become under attack and we hear about all over the country numbers dropping in certain areas. We've seen it certainly in in Northeast Ohio for the first time ever. I couldn't believe programs were dropping JV games or freshman games. I really feel that coaches kind of need to learn from that example with a college coach of what you guys do to build a program in terms of recruiting. Now, we don't necessarily have to be out on the road making those calls, but I think any even high school coach probably needs to be a good recruiter nowadays. What couple tips would you give them to help them promote and populate their program? Well, that's a that's a great question, and I, I think you there's so many advantages to playing to playing sports, whether it be football, whether it be basketball, whether it be baseball or track or any of these team activities that you can you can get young people involved in i'm not a a, one thing that are nails to a chalkboard to me is is i'm i'm the one sport guy i just i work out and i train when i'm not in the season come on man you're 16 years old or you're 17 years old and you only get to live this this block of your life one time be able to take advantage of the opportunities and the camaraderie and the lessons that the team sports teaches young people. Play as many as you can, get a chance to play your high school rival game as many times as you can and make it a big deal and, and buy into all the things that are really, really cool about being a high school student athlete. And I think as, as high school coaches, I think sometimes it starts uh, starts with, with the coaches in the sense of 
the basketball coach is at odds with the football coach and the football coach doesn't like the baseball coach and we're trying to all recruit each other's players like if a guy's a really really top end athlete in the high school program i find it really hard to believe that he can't be he can't be competitive and he can't impact the team and the school and all three in all three sports or or more than that for that matter so specialization of sport i think has hurt the movement for for football and in all sports to be honest with you obviously there's the it is this is a tough game it's a contact sport there are going to be some injuries there are going to be things that happen that's part of it but we as coaches and as youth coaches and middle school coaches and high school coaches have to do a really good job to make sure that we're teaching our game properly to limit those you know to limit those injuries and to limit the the possibilities of things that could happen and that that goes to practice habits that goes to teaching habits that goes to I think there's a long list of things that you're that you're responsible for but some high school teams and you, you got to recruit your hallways you got to recruit your own school and you got to get guys in your own building to really buy into to something that they believe in and I think that's a challenge that a lot of high school coaches face. Coach when we look at your program and the time you've been there in terms of culture you guys went from flipping a culture at the beginning when you were there with Coach Beckman, I think taking another step and building upon it when Coach Campbell took over. And then you certainly, I think, felt good about the way things were going at Toledo. You guys were having success. But what had escaped you in that time is the conference championship. You hadn't been able to do that. And now you guys, under your leadership, have been able to win a conference championship. So talk to us about kind of the the differences in those three phases and some of the things you did along the way, I guess, to keep growing and reaching that that ultimate goal of winning a MAC championship. Yeah, I mean, number one, it's time and investment. It, it's not an overnight thing, and if it is an overnight thing, it's probably not built to last. I often get asked about some of the great players we've lost here in the past, and last year at this time, it was but what, how could the Rockets recover after losing Kareem Hunt? Because it was about this time last year that he was a third-round draft pick, and, mm-hmm. and Michael Roberts is picked in the fourth round, and Trayvon Hester's picked in the seventh round, and we have eight guys get into NFL camps. But so you lose a, a lot of good, talented seniors, and what? How can you recover from that? And from a team that won nine games that year, and I would, I would just. I would just say that the answer is is that we are a good program. We're not a good team. We have uh, this thing's built from the foundation up, and it's been you know I don't think there's been any corners cut. I think there's been things in place that would make you to believe that there's sustainability as far as the the things that that would give you the chance to be successful. Now you got to go out and win the games, and you got to go play the games. And there's a lot of detailed things that come between now and the end of the season, but. You know, with losing all those eight guys and those three draft picks, I mean, we were able to somehow get it to 11 wins last year. So, and we had 23 seniors last year that would leave lots of question marks for us this year coming up. No Logan Woodside, a five year quarterback here, and the player of the year in our conference, you know, probably, uh, I would imagine, would get picked this weekend somewhere in the NFL draft. What are you going to do without him? Well, I. I would think that you know, we've recruited very well. We're going to trust that. Uh, we're going to trust that our development of these young players have been really good, and we're going to keep coaching. We're not going to get. We're not going to be satisfied with what we've accomplished. We're not going to be satisfied from where we've come from. We're not going to look back and and be proud of our efforts. We're going to we're going to look ahead and and see that tomorrow provides a really good another day to to have some more good work put in to to reaching another goal and to pushing forward to. Uh, what we said we wanted to accomplish. And I think the biggest challenge that we have as a football team and a program and, and really as a society, to be honest with you, is everybody 
has a really there's no there's no issues with putting together a belief system or a goal a goal to what the thing looks like at the end of the year but the tough part is connecting the behavior to the belief system and I thought our senior class last year probably did that as good as any team that I've ever been around they 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 bought into that and, and they held themselves accountable they got a plan and a vision from their coaches and then that sprinkled on down to the senior leadership and they really took a really player driven locker room and and, and wrote, we rode that to a championship Coach, obviously, you work for Coach Campbell, a guy you respect, a guy who's been influential, but you have the opportunity to take the program over. And I think every coach, when he's given that opportunity, is going to put his own signature on it and make slight changes maybe in some areas, maybe bigger changes in others. But for you, as far as the culture goes, what do you see as some of the things that maybe differentiate you and how you're doing things and what the program looks like under your leadership? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, uh, Matt and I learned football at the same place. So right. a lot of the fabric of where we've come from is the same. But we are we're two different guys. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we you know, that we are we're different. Uh, a lot of ways that we're different. One thing as an assistant coach, you you always have a lot of suggestions that you feel are really solid suggestions and 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 probably the ways that you believe things should be done. If you don't as an assistant, I don't I don't know if you really ever have the the makeup to become a head coach, because you're probably not thinking those type of, about those type of scenarios. When the head coach leaves and but you get the job now, those those suggestions they have to be solutions and they have to be answers, and that can be intimidating. You can question yourself, but you really at the end of the day you got to buy into who you believe you are. You got to buy into recruiting and hiring a staff that that matches who you what you believe. And then ultimately from there, you have to recruit your team of guys that are like-minded like yourself. Because if, if everybody's on the same, every arrow in your program has to be going the same way in the same direction. If there's anyone pointing back in the face of the crowd, then you're going to get some resistance. And the more resistance fighting you back in your face, the harder it is going to be to win. Because these games are hard enough as is. And everybody's got 85 scholarship. Everybody's got the same amount of practice days. Everybody's doing the same things. It's a race to see who can do the same things at an elite level. And I think that's probably from the change, if you ask specific, from the change of, of, of staffs. I don't know if there's one thing I can specifically point to, but just a personal uh, belief on how to do things. You know, our practices are a little different, our, our, how we train is a little different, how we eat is a little different. But they're all things that, that I believe in, and they're things that when I if I have a strong belief in it, then I can coach it that way and ultimately get our team to buy into that and I think that's probably one thing I think that's really helped us and that's that's been beneficial for us. Coach the one thing we really haven't touched on that you really do excel at and have a track record for is the offensive side of the ball you've been able to put together some really dynamic offenses and and again around northeast Ohio you see that influence in some of the high school programs around here and even some of the small college programs I go around and clinic with different guys there's a lot of things that are coming out of the University of Toledo. Talk to us about your offense, and I guess what makes it so dynamic for you guys. This is going to sound very elementary. It's going to it's going to require us to get our best players the football. Yeah, <laughs> sounds really difficult, right? So I think, yeah, you, we we are who we are. I am what I am when it comes to the schematics. I I think there's some things I really have a strong belief on. I think there's other things that I I. We constantly debate year in and year out in our meeting rooms. But I think at the bottom line, in the end of the day, you, you must be able to get your best players in positions to be successful. 
it's not what it looks like on the grease board. It's what it looks like on the videotape. Lots of good ideas out there in football. Lots of different schematic tweaks and turns that you could add or tinker with in your offensive plan. But at the end of the day, it's a matter of what you can get taught at a really high level. Two players who you recruited to be at a very to play at a very high level. It's a matter of getting them to to buy into that and to get them to execute that at a high level. And uh, that's a we probably spend more time on that part than we do the schematics of everything. But then ultimately, at the end of the day, I think we we know our answers when things don't go right go our way, and we usually have the ability to get them fixed throughout the course of a game. There's games last year that we didn't play very well, and we didn't we didn't maybe get it turned the way we needed to get it turned, or didn't quite grasp our our skill development and getting our guys into the best position to be successful in those opportunities. So, yeah, we've had we've had great success, and we're we're proud of that. And, and but we're certainly not a finished product because every team every team's different. Each each year is a new set of challenges, and. Last year, Kareem Hunt led the NFL in rushing, and, and we didn't have him on our team in the previous four years we did. This year, we just graduated the school's all-time leading passer, so things are different here this year. So each year provides its own set of challenges, and you got to hone into who your best players are, figure out what what formations you want to get into from there and, and how you want to dictate the pace of the defense, and then from there formulate what kind of plays you're going to run, and then uh, after that, coach the hell out of it and go play. The common thread in talking to a Mount Union guy, you just brought it up right there. It's it's PFP, right? Players, formation, yeah. plays. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Heard it before. I've heard Coach Karras speak about it. It's something that just makes a lot of sense in, in how you do it. I think we get tied as as coaches sometimes to that scheme, and we got to, like you said, we got to think about what is that going to look like on the field and video rather than what it looks like on the board because everything works. Everything's a touchdown on that whiteboard. No question, and I've I've been in high schools before and asked high school coaches, "What do you do on offense?" And they're, "Well, we're a five five wide receiver passing team, and we're empty. And what I do without empty is really good, and this and that." And then I then I ask them for their recruiting sheet, and they give me their best player on their team is a fullback. It's <laughs> like, well, this ain't gonna go very well. Uh, so you, you got to match those guys, and it's a little different at our level because I mean. The fullback doesn't live in our district. We can go recruit our own guys. We don't have to get. We don't have to use what's what's provided to us like a high school coach does. But I, I think you have to have, especially at the at the collegiate level and the NFL and, and especially at the high school level, you have to have a little bit of flexibility on who you are. Absolutely. You can't be, stu- you can't be stubborn and stuck in your ways. Yeah, and that's obviously the art of, of coaching. Uh, I think in our younger days, we we stick to our guns on some things and. We believe so much in our schemes and the things we're doing. We start to learn how much it really is about the people. You guys get that right away at Mount. I mean, Coach Coach mm-hmm. emphasizes player formation plays, but just looking at the coaching profession in general and, and listening to guys on this podcast, that's their growth as a coach. They move from from they're so focused early on on, on the X's and O's to really learning that they got to be focused on the people. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean – you're invested in the player. You you're you're more patient with his development. You're more you're working with him. You're not working against him. And I think players feed off of that. They sense that. They they understand your commitment level to helping them become great. And then, like I said, once they once they have a plan, they'll they'll buy into that. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we help them stay connected to it. Coach, the question I like to, to wrap with with every coach is looking at all the things you do, and you guys do a lot of great things at Toledo. If I were to say, Coach, pick one thing that you feel really gives your team the en- winning edge 
what would that be? Just a belief in who we are. I, I, I think we we understand our investment. We understand our commitment. We understand why we do things. We understand why we go to work every day. We understand what the driving forces behind all that is, and we expect good results. We we feel like the, our investment level is very high, and and you, when you do that, and you're and you recruit well, and you're a talented team, you should expect results. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time and talking to us here on the podcast. What's the best way for coaches out there to connect with you or your staff and, and learn more about Toledo football? Uh, we're open door. Come see us anytime. Just reach out, and we're happy to open our doors to you and, and talk football or come to camp and, and bring your your, your guys or, or whatever. We're, we're, not, we're not going anywhere. Coach, again, I appreciate the time. Best of luck to you and the Rockets in 2018. Thanks so much. Go Rockets. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.